Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing the review article, Distributed Force Feedback in the Spinal Cord and the Regulation of Limb Mechanics. Before we begin, let's meet our guest. Okay, hi everybody. My name is Richard Nichols. I'm a professor in the School of Biological Sciences at Georgia Tech, and my research specialty is in trying to understand the role of sensory feedback in the guidance of coordinated movement. And in particular, our research has been focused on the role of muscle spindles and Golgi tendon organs in the recent times. And currently, we are working a lot on spinal cord injury. What is force feedback, and why is it important in motor control? So Golgi tendon organs, which give rise to force feedback, are stretch receptors that are situated in the junctions between muscle fibers and connective tissue elements in the musculoskeletal system, primarily tendons, but also possibly uh, fascia as well. The receptors signal the forces exerted by fascicles of muscle fibers, that's their adequate stimulus, as Sherrington would say, but also some of the stresses within the matrix of connective tissue elements of muscle, tendon, and fascia. So when you put these signals that represent the stresses within the musculoskeletal system together with the signals from muscle spindles, which code the length of the muscle fascicles that are generating the forces, you get a combined signal that is transmitted to the central nervous system that reflects the mechanical state of the musculoskeletal system. This information goes to the spinal cord, the brainstem, including the vestibular system and cerebellum, as well as the cerebral cortex to guide the planning and execution of voluntary movement. The loss of these signals results in the inability to control the responses of the limbs to external and internal perturbations, such as the inertial coupling between limb segments. So when you move your forearm, for example, your hand tends to flop around because of inertial coupling, and it's those sorts of interactions that we think may be uh, managed by these pathways. So there are clinical cases where these signals are lost and patients have difficulty with managing coordination without these signals. They have trouble managing inertial forces within their limbs. So it's clearly important for motor control. Please provide some historical perspectives on Golgi tendon organs and their function. Thank you for asking this question because there is an earlier view that the tendon organ had a very high threshold to muscular force and therefore acted as sort of a safety valve for the muscle so that it would be protected from damaging levels of force. And this view arose from a misinterpretation of the data that was originally obtained by Brian Matthews in the 1930s. And the reason for the misinterpretation is explained in the article. In fact, Golgi tenon organs are exquisitely sensitive to forces down to the level of single motor units and even muscle fibers, as shown by Jim Houck and Elwood Henneman back in the 1960s. Furthermore, recently it's been discovered that tenon organ pathways can actually produce excitatory influences on motor neurons during certain behaviors, such as locomotion, at least for some muscles, in which case the muscle force is actually reinforced rather than diminished. So it seems like this older hypothesis really has to go. In fact, it was discovered that there are other pathways from free nerve ending receptors in muscles that are probably responsible for that protective pathway and not the Golgi tenor organ. Anyway, based on the findings about the fine resolution of force signaling by Golgi tenor organs, Jim Houck proposed in the early 70s that force and length feedback associated with a single muscle combine in the spinal cord to regulate the relationship between length and force, which is what we call muscular stiffness. 
And just to link to our present studies, our work supports this hypothesis of stiffness regulation originally proposed by Hauck, but suggests that instead of this occurring at the level of single muscle regulation, it occurs at a network level to regulate the mechanical properties of the entire limb and to promote coordination among the joints. Tell us about your new hypotheses regarding the physiological role of Golgi tendon organs. So the bulk of our studies have been focused on the processing of force feedback in the spinal cord rather than the brainstem and cortical levels, although those have been of great interest to us as well. But as far as the spinal cord is concerned, the classical experiments coming from Sir John Eccles and his co-workers way back in the 1950s showed in anesthetized animals that inhibitory feedback from Golgi tendon organs in a given muscle are not private. That is, they don't go back to that same muscle, but they're widely distributed to other muscles. In other words, these pathways form a network rather than regulating the mechanics of a single muscle that contains the tendon organs. Our newer studies reinforced this view and actually showed that the findings of Eccles had physiological relevance, even though they were performed electrophysiologically in anesthetized animals. We've gone on to show how these pathways can actually affect the force output of muscles, so putting it in a more functional biomechanical context, and also showed how these pathways can be modulated during different motor tasks. So the problem with directly interpreting the results of Eccles was that they did not have as much of a biomechanical context to interpret their studies, and maybe that's one of the reasons why their studies are not discussed in depth these days. But it's now become clear from studies of the mechanical properties of the musculoskeletal system is that the musculoskeletal system is a distributed mechanical network. That is, muscles cross multiple joints, multiple axes of rotation, in general, and muscles also exert mechanical effects on distant joints through inertial interactions. And these were concepts that just weren't common in the neurophysiological world back in the 1950s. It is our belief that the pathways from Golgi tendon organs manage these kinds of interactions between muscles acting at different joints, and that falls in very nicely with the uh, demonstration that these pathways, in fact, are distributed just as the musculoskeletal system itself is distributed. So again, to go back to what I said before, there's a disease called large fiber sensory neuropathy where proprioceptive feedback is lost following a viral infection or maybe some other causes which we don't understand. These patients are very rare, but they are virtually unable to control their movements. They can't walk. Their vestibular systems and visual systems are perfectly intact, but what they lack is feedback from these muscles as well as from skin. And we shouldn't forget that skin is an important player in here as well. One of the key findings with these patients is they are unable to control the inertial interactions among limb segments, as I mentioned briefly before. So this disease state sort of fuels our feeling that pathways from tendon organs and from muscle spindles as well are involved in controlling these kinds of what you might call internal perturbations. That is, perturbations that occur normally when we move without any sort of external disturbance coming through. These observations also bear on the feedback of tendon organs to higher levels in the central nervous system. Our sense of what we are doing and where our limbs are in space results from the combined actions of these pathways. What are the implications of these new hypotheses for the field of motor control? Going back to Sir Charles Sherrington, he believed that reflexes were important to study because they tell us something about how the nervous system works, and particularly the spinal cord. However, he also firmly believed that reflexes were fictions, that is, they were individual responses obtained in the research laboratory, but in fact, 
His book, The Integrative Action of the Nervous System, talks about the fact that really all of these pathways work continuously altogether to perform much more complicated actions to regulate movement. And so our new ideas about reflexes, such as the force feedback between two given muscles, for example, can be studied on an individual basis, but in fact, they work to promote coordination among the entire limb. So this proprioceptive feedback from Golgi tenor organs, as well as muscle spindles, is highly integrated at all levels of the central nervous system. The actions of this feedback to regulate how we respond to expected and unexpected perturbations as we move is highly integrated as well. This viewpoint represents an advance over earlier ideas that we can understand the functions of proprioceptive feedback based on simple muscular systems that do not reflect the mechanical complexity of the musculoskeletal system. For those of you who are familiar with it, the concept of the myotetic unit is a good example of a very simplified muscular and neuronal system, which has been very useful to promote the field, but actually, as Eccles showed back in the 1950s, is not reflective of generally how the system is organized. Given the distributed nature of these pathways, there are few clinical tests to evaluate the system in patients with motor disorders. We are currently working on a method to evaluate the functions of these pathways across muscles in intact animals and human patients for the purposes of diagnosis and tracking rehabilitation of those patients. A current focus also in our laboratory with the animal experiments is on how these pathways contribute to the motor deficits following spinal cord injury and how newer rehabilitation strategies may normalize the organization of these pathways and improve motor function. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article, Distributed Force Feedback in the Spinal Cord in the Regulation of Limb Mechanics, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. 